I'm not going to say too much. I mean, there's so much to say about this feast. Uh, and in a way, too, because we're going to do the blessing of the water, too, which is a sermon in of itself as we observe uh, the service. But two things I want to, I guess, point out in this is it's also called the Feast of Lights, very much an, a connection with Hanukkah, even if it's, a, it's slight, but it's still a connection with Hanukkah. It's not accidental, I think, that in the Jewish calendar, where, you know, the months don't exactly line up with the 12 months of the year that we know. But the 25th, the, the day that they begin to celebrate Hanukkah, approximate very closely to the 25th of December for us in their, cal- in their calendar. Now that changes over time and so forth. But anyway, but the idea of the light to see and so forth. And a lot of times, you know how in the morning you throw water on your face to wake up and to, and to see better. Because sometimes waking up and your eyes are kind of like whatever. And the point of splashing water in your face isn't just for looks. It's, it's to kind of wake up more to see. And, and I think what the church is saying here and, and what we do in our services is to see more clearly beyond even the immediate scope of, of what the world sees that God is here, that he's come and inaugurated a new reality. It's not finished yet, but because he's set up things that our participation plays a role in bringing it to completion. Just like all before Jesus comes, all the other people who we've mentioned, in, like we know in the Old Testament, they played a role in the coming of Christ, eventually culminating, of course, in the Virgin Mary. So it is that we all play a role in uncovering and and seeing this reality or letting it be seen by others. And in the worship of the church, that's where we, be, we begin to see, you know. Uh, seeing is believing or is believing seeing, you know, the old saying in that way. Do we see that God has, is who he is? That he's not just one of, like the Greek gods, some old man hanging around and throwing thunderbolts or whatever. But actually, this God is so far beyond us that yet at the same time so imminent and and close to us that he even comes and takes organically our DNA and so forth. You know, water, of course, symbolizes a lot of things. Sailors go to sea, they can drown, you can die. But it also symbolizes life and birth. And... And that's important to know that in biblical thought, the opposite of death isn't life, but the opposite of death is birth. And they knew back then that when a woman was going to go into the process of of labor and, and birth, it began with, quote, her water breaking. That was a sign that things were on the way. Now the baby was there, but now the baby was going to come out to be seen. And what we see in baptism is Christ coming. I mean, he came, yes, when the Virgin Mary conceived him. Yes, he was first seen when he was a baby. But who he really is, in a a fuller sense, by the world, is seen in the baptism. Where God reveals himself through the baptism, that Jesus is the eternal Son of God who's come down and taken on our human nature, immersed himself in our human brokenness, fears, everything else. 
in order to transform us and to immerse us into the life of God. Now, I say that because the baptism of every human being is not about the person as much as it is about Jesus, that they participate in the life of Christ, that God has made a way through Jesus, that even in these human realities with all this frailness and difficulties and challenges, God immerses himself in us that we can, in this life, begin to be immersed in him. And that's why when Christian parents, people who are faithful to Christ, are bringing their child to be raised, and, and that they are committed to not living the Christian life in such a way that their child will grow up knowing that reality, we will baptize to uncover the reality that that's what God destined this child for. But the important thing is, under, you know, and I'm not going to go into a, a heavy sermon about this, that because it's a baby, or a, that there are people who are going to take responsibility to raise this child in the faith, which also means their lifestyle and their beliefs are consistent with what the gospel says, with what Jesus is about. Otherwise, we could just grab babies off the street and baptize them, and so forth. And the question is never whether the baby, you know, the most ludicrous argument is the, the kid's not at fault. Of course he's not. The question is not whether the child is, as much as who are the people that are going to seriously, committedly take responsibility to raise the child in that reality that Jesus is present in our reality, human realities. Now, now. Now what the child does after it hits 18 and goes into adulthood is another story. But at least it's raised that way. Just like in, in the, the Hebrew scriptures, at eight days old, a male child was circumcised. Not because it cognitively understood everything, but because even that God gave the child to those parents to raise it in the faith community and in the beliefs and practices of the people of Israel. In the same way for the church, when we baptize a child, it is for them to know and believe this. Otherwise, it's magical baloney. And we don't have this belief that, oh, if a child dies unbaptized, God's going to throw it into hell. Because I've heard that, I remember when I first got here, and people were, oh, hurry up and baptize my grandchild. Why? Is it, is it horribly sick or something? No, but if it dies, God forbid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, all right, God forbid if it dies, but... That's not the reason we baptize children. God isn't some monster. The incarnation has had God weld himself to every human being, whether they believe it or not, know it or not. Baptism is just uncovering that reality to let it be seen by the parents who are going to let that be seen in the life of their child, in their family, in their home, and everything else. And I think that's the thing is, do we let God be seen? Our sins can cover up letting God be seen, but God still tries to be there and make himself manifest. And that's the beauty of it all, is God has immersed himself in us in the most elemental elements, if you can say that, because water is so essential to our existence, that now in, in the, the very source of our biological existence, God has made himself present. So as we celebrate this, may the Lord help us to see more clearly. May he help us to let God be seen.
through us as a church and as individuals. Because that's what this is about. Because in, in God being seen, which also means we have to learn to how God sees us <laughs> and be okay with that. But that's the purpose of church, that we're, we're here, just like our children. They're to be raised to serve Christ. Not just come to church and sit like blobs, but to live a life of serving Christ, of partnering with him, to keep the reality of the gospel being seen. Because if it's not seen and all we're doing is a bunch of nice rituals from the old days, then forget it. Let's go home and watch TV. But this is a reality that carries not only through this life, but into the next. So may the Lord bless us. May we have a blessed theophany. And may we see that reality more uncovered and seen in our own lives. Amen. Amen.